0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Adele and All Things. Today, we're going to embark on a journey of discovery. What does it mean to be open-minded? But first, what is social media? What's important to realize is that social media isn't something that's bad. It's simply an algorithm that shows you things it thinks you'll like. However, it translates into something that's addictive. Did you know that the average person spends two hours and 25 minutes per day on social media? And that can be dangerous, especially if we consider what Dr. Clark and I talked about in the last episode. If you didn't listen in, go and do so, because it was really a brilliant talk. In any case, the gist of social media being bad is that, of course, if you search up something like animal cruelty online, social media will keep on showing you animal cruelty, and then it'll become bad. But if you have context before watching that video online, if you internalized from a young age that animal cruelty is bad then you'll be smart enough not to get sucked into a rabbit hole where you watch animal cruelty all day long. The dangerous side of it is, though, that if you haven't been taught that animal cruelty is bad, um, for example, if you grew up with a pet and, and your parents abused that pet, you'll just think it's normal and social media will reinforce the belief that animal cruelty is normal. So social media being bad or good is all relative to the context of your own experience. Um, another example closely related to that. I read a book this year called What's a Girl Got to Do? Which is basically about this girl called Lottie, who does a project where she calls out every incident of sexism that she sees. And in the beginning of the story, she's walking down this street and um, this male worker is catcalling her and following her down the street Um, and the book goes on to describe how this guy looks at her and smiles and he just gives the impression that it's totally okay for someone to walk up to another human being in the middle of the street and objectify them and that entitlement didn't just come out of nowhere you know he thinks that objectifying is normal which is something he had to have learned at a very young age, or maybe nobody showed him how to treat women with respect. And then, as he got older, he probably went online, probably discovered some bad porn, and thought to himself, okay, so it's normal to treat women like objects. I don't know about you, but I always thought that social media was a big driver of polarisation today. Polarisation usually refers to how people think, especially when two views emerge that drive people apart into contrasting groups. And that's true, it is. But it's also more complicated than that. First things first, though. Online spaces. Online spaces tend to create what are called filter bubbles, which are when algorithms end up exposing us to ideas that we agree with and only those ideas. As humans, we have a natural tendency of confirmational bias, which is completely normal, but it basically means that when we seek out information, um, we tend to look for and agree with views that are the same as our own. And the filter is created when we start to follow accounts that only reinforce our beliefs. So I, and probably many of you listening, always assume that if political extremists, so by that I mean super conservative or super liberal, broke past this bubble, if they, you know, followed accounts with opposing views, it would help decrease the polarization that we see in today's society. But, A study by duke university actually found the opposite let's talk a little about the study what was it about so different liberal and conservative media users were asked to follow twitter accounts that supported the opposite of what they believed for an entire month and what the study found by the end of this month was that the conservatives after weeks after being exposed to more liberal views, became even more conservative, so even more polarized, and the liberals kept the same viewpoint instead of what the assumption was, which was that people's beliefs would become less polarized after the experiment. But why did those people's beliefs not change? That's what I was interested in knowing. Well, Part of it links back to the previous episode about how we're very happy to remain comfortable with our opinion and we don't want to become uncomfortable by considering a different perspective. However, another study found, um, this one by a guy named William Brady, that when politicians post on social media, they tend to use very emotive, a vocabulary rather than scientific vocabulary to help engage their followers more and the technique makes sense you know like which is going to touch your heart more the heartbreaking story of an orphan or a statistic on the number of orphans in the world obviously it's the heartbreaking story so politicians use this emotive language to get more positive responses from their followers but it's for that same reason that why following the other side didn't help change the minds of the extremists in the experiment. Because whilst emotive vocabulary incites good feelings for the followers, it seems more like an attack to those of an opposite view. And that basically causes the Um, the ones with the opposite views, to react immediately to the message rather than consider the message rationally like they would have or, well, like we hope they would have had if the vocabulary was more scientific. So this all seems like a little bit of a bleak outlook on polarization in the future. But what can we do about it? Or more specifically, what can you, dear listener, do about it? You can try and follow accounts that are different to your own beliefs. Obviously, as we learned in this episode, not necessarily other side accounts, but maybe some that are just slightly different to your own beliefs. And remember that even though online communities are abstract, we should treat them with the same respect we would a real community which means listening more and talking less so that conversations can, even if they don't change our opinions, be productive rather than have us yell in each other's faces. No one gains from that. What does it mean to be open-minded? Having no opinions, no biases, prejudice is a myth, but being open-minded is about willing to get past our own limitations and simply listen. Thank you for joining me today and hope to see you next time.